I'm Carol Joyside, and welcome to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. You're listening to episode 79. This is a podcast to help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Well, we've kept the tape rolling here with Bruce and Sonia Manson out in California, and they are probably my most loyal veteran family. How many seminars would you guess you've attended of mine? Well, it's been over 20 years, so... Yes, so we've probably been attending for 24, 25 years, um, and I, some years we went to more than one, Right. so right. I, I don't know the exact number, but it's a lot. <laughs> if Carol ever needs a hint on what to say next, I just pantomime from the front. <laughs> and, and tell our listeners where you sit when you come to these seminars. Well, the front row, of course. <laughs> Why risk missing something and sitting in the second row? (laughs) Whoa, I love it. Well, so Bruce and Sonia, all these years, you've heard me say, now, if you're going to go to a desert island with your children, or if you were theoretically going to go to a desert island with your children, (laughs) what books would you put if you only had one box to take to that desert island? What books would you put in there? And you would be really particular and really selective. So you and Sonia are actually moving to an island. You're <laughs> That's right. Yes. So we are in the process of paring down to um, the absolute minimum because everything that we take has to, of course, uh, travel 1,300 miles, and then it has to get on a ferry and go across the water. So you can imagine the expense of that. Um, you know, we would leave relatives we didn't like behind for just, you know, saving a few dollars. <laughs> but, you know, when it comes to picking the books to take, um, there is no such thing as book rate on, on the barge, unfortunately. So we had to lay out all of our books and uh, gather the kids around and say, you know, which one of these are non-negotiable? Which ones of these must we take? And the conversations that stem from that were absolutely fascinating. And the memories that were that were attached to those stories and we found this to be a very difficult thing because we thought we were just gonna you know right from the first go you know get rid of 50 percent of them but because we've been so intentional through the years carol about having only the best we have a lot of only the best (laughs) but but truthfully we have been able to bless some younger families Um, and we have been shipping uh, big crates of books off to uh, other states, Um, and we just received a card in the mail from one of them to the book lady. This little uh, (laughs) little three or four-year-old boy wanted to thank the book lady who keeps sending him these packages of books. So (laughs) it is is really a a wonderful (laughs) legacy that we're able to share to to uh, to the new homeschooling families. Wow. Wow. Am I on that list? Do I... I'll take shipments. That is, oh my goodness. I mean, the, the idea of parting with books is like, oh, that gives me anxiety just thinking about it. That's right. It's really, really hard. Very and tough. Oh dear. That's Very like tough. choosing between your children, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it's you, not me, going to the island. And like oh. I said, you know, we have our own personal attachments to different stories, but our kids have very unique, sometimes shared, but often different. And books yes. that we thought, well, this is gonna be one that we might be able to get rid of. Oh, no, <laughs> no, no, they, they just cling it to their breast and they're not gonna part with it. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> and then you think, oh, how to take that one too. <laughs> I love it. That makes me so happy. I'm not feeling the least bit sad about what you're telling me. 
even though it's you're in the throes of it and it's stressful, I'm just clicking my heels with glee that your children love your books and don't want to part from them. Oh, that just makes me so happy. So <laughs> tell, tell our listeners about some books that have really been key books in either at school, Bruce, for you or at home, both because you've been reading out loud to your children all these years as well. And Sonia, when you've been alone with the troops, what are some books that have really impacted you, um, made changes in your hearts and lives as a family? What are the books that you would take to that desert island if you only had one box? What, what oh, have been wow. the book? Yeah. Um, I really don't think I could do one box, but <laughs> no, I, um, I think honestly, um, for our family, um, even for me as mom reading them out loud to our kids, some of the most impactful books have been any of the missionary stories. Yes. Um, they just have hit our hearts in a different way. I, I mean, all the, there's so much good literature. I think it is so hard to just pull out those ones um, that are the, you know, top. And I think every child has their books that they definitely have a stronger connection to. So different writers that they loved or different stories that they loved. But I think overall, the uh, missionary stories are just so powerful and the most life-changing out of any of the books that you will read. Um, just those, the perseverance of the missionaries and the just their trust in God and complete faith in him and um, how he responds and answers so many things in their lives for them. I just think that that is, is just a life-changing message and to see that over and over again in these different lives and different situations in different countries. And, um, you know, our kids have taken that um, wanting to um, even be missionaries, you know, or, you know, like our oldest daughter has been involved for the last seven or eight years in Royal Family Kids Camp, which is a camp for foster children. Everybody who um, helps with it is volunteer. And oh. she goes every summer, she does a couple of weeks of that, and they bring um, foster siblings to, well, siblings who are in different foster homes they've been separated because of the situation in their families right. and they bring them to this camp in the summer and they let them be together the, so the siblings are so excited to be reunited oh. for the sum, for the summer camp for the week and the counselors just really pour into those kids um, for that week and it's run through churches that um, pay all the expenses so the kids are able to come for free and um, she has, that has been the greatest joy in her life, has been participating in helping with those camps. If she could do that as a full-time job, like a volunteer for them, I think she would do that um, because it has been just such a great experience for her. She feels like she's home when she's at those camps, she said. And um, I really feel like um, part of that, you know, even being interested in doing that sort of volunteer ministry work came out of reading those books. And then our daughter, who's a cosmetologist, she goes to events where they, you know, cut hair for people who are homeless. Um, yeah. She goes to like an all day event where they do that. Um, and she has also volunteered for um, these prom situations where you have um, children of different needs who um, are being 
given this wonderful prom evening and she will help get their hair and makeup done and things like that or for oh. <laughs> women who are you know abused or you know she she has quite a heart for that um like the abusive uh situations or even the sex trafficking um situation and wanting to help in any way that she can and so even though her you know career is hair and makeup which you wouldn't really see that necessarily as being um something involved in ministry level mm -hmm. yes yeah. but you yeah. can actually then use that to bless other people's lives too so and can i say that most hairstylists are therapists all day yes. long. oh yes absolutely that's what they do all day long <laughs> huge ministry yeah. and i always share the lord with my hairstylists but it would be so great to have a believer as mm -hmm. a hairstylist Right. When people are coming in with crisis and wanting to process their lives, there you are with the gospel, waiting to share it. What a great! And I gotta say, Carol, one of the one of the, there are there's just a, a long line of contrast between what I have done professionally in the classroom and what happens in our home on our couch. And uh, <clears throat> most of my students are very unaware of the world and. Um, the, the privileged life that they live in the United States. And so, you know, these missionary stories that have opened uh, the hearts and minds of our kids, they're just on a different plane altogether about um, how, how blessed we are. Yeah. And, and I think that the books that I read to my students, I'm constantly trying to get them to understand <laughs> the the uh the opportunities that we have the, the the rich blessings that we have in this country and and gently because they're only eight you know show them that many many uh aren't allowed to go to school or many are you know just in in, in horrific situations and so that to me is is a, a real central part of my education for them you know it I start the day with a story, they, they line up outside the class, they come in and we, we sit together for 30 or 40 minutes on the rug reading a book. And that is how I start every single day. Oh, and that's just, that's the most important thing, you know, that's, that's our sacred time. And it's, it comes before math or, or anything else. And, uh, and, and really to, to see our kids get such a heavier dose of that. Yeah. It's really, you know, I, I, <laughs> some, some teachers might sneak in one book a week. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. And, oh. and so it's, it's so, it's so profound to think that, you know, we're not confined by, you know, the recess bell or the principal who wants to know, you know, how much social studies we've taught this week or whatever, you know, right. and so to have this, this just, endless stream of, of profound uh, stories uh, to our children is just so rich. Oh, yeah. I had a teacher in sixth grade who read to our class. It's the only teacher I ever remember ever reading to us. She read Contiki. After lunch, we put our heads on her desk and she read to us in her mm -hmm. Boston accent. Mm -hmm. And I still remember Mrs. Massey reading to us after yeah. lunch. But teachers didn't read we had work to do we're, that's we're right exactly 
Many teachers see it as a waste of time. <laughs> exactly. It exactly. And his students have such a love of literature by the end of the year being with him. And some of these kids have been kids that have no books in their home. Oh. And one of the things he does is every year at Christmas and then again at the end of the year, he let he gives each of his students a book and he writes a oh. little note in that oh. to them. And he had students who would come to him you know, these little boys who maybe had no literature in their home at all, and they had loved this year of reading with him. And they would, you know, hold up the book he gave them and they would say, you know, Mr. Manson, I am, I've never had a book before <gasps> so much and I am going to save this book and I will read it to my children. <gasps> and it's just oh. the impact of that is just so profound. You know, mm. he's had kids who came into his classroom just hating learning, hating books. Um, it had been pounded out of them by third grade. When you think about that, that's so sad. And um, and he would just instill in them this love of literature that then they're going to carry with them because they have finally at eight years old, all of a sudden realized this is a great thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's going to benefit them for their education. He's had students who came back and said, I'm going into teaching because of that year in your room. Oh, just, you Bruce, know. this is so great. So. Yeah, so you guys have been double dipping doing ministry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> sort of a ministry level at work with him. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> right, that's for sure. When I was a ballet student in my college years, my favorite part of class was the work we did at the ballet bar. I couldn't get enough of the fundamentals of ballet. I learned something new each time I did my plies. I feel the same way about a seminar that I wrote many years ago called A Literature-Based Approach to Education. That's where it all began. This information is the basis for everything I teach. Without it, you'll be frustrated and confused. It is truly fundamental. On September 11th, I'm teaching that seminar in a live, all-day webinar. Participants have access to the replay for two weeks after the live event, and you'll receive a PDF of 11 pages of my book lists that are yours forever. We will have a live panel discussion with families that are using my methods who will be answering your questions in real time. You don't want to miss it. Click the link in the episode description to register on my website. Early bird registration ends September 1st. Now back to the show. So give me some key titles. What are the books you read out loud in your classroom, Bruce? Well, it's really hard for me to come up with titles on the spot. Patricia okay. Polacco is somebody that always uh, resonates with me. Her stories are, uh, <clears throat> they're just very special. Uh, some of them are kind of wacko, but uh, you know she's so prolific that uh, you can't you can close your eyes and just go to the P section and pull one off and be happy yeah. with it for the most part. Yes. Um, I I don't I don't think I have a um, uh, crowboy. Yeah, crowboy is a, a story. I don't know the author, but it's a story about a boy in Japan. There you go. Yeah, and he. Uh, he had to walk very long ways to go to school. And when he was at school, he was ridiculed and teased and he used to hide 
underneath the steps at recess because everybody made fun of him. And um, in the end of the story, you know, he just is, is becomes beloved by his students. He had perfect attendance and he was differently abled, I guess is one way of saying it. <laughs> and so much time outside with the crows because he wasn't socially accepted that he ended up um, uh, mimicking and, and learning their, their, their sounds. And uh, by the time he graduated in sixth grade, he was, he was accepted and, and, and taken on. And my kids always were struck by that. It's like, really? It took six years for the kids to be nice to him, you know? And all these lessons of kindness and um, perseverance, you know, I, I like to read a lot of biographies. I think yeah. biographies are immeasurably powerful. Yes. Um, and so when kids feel like they're having a hard time, they can relate to these to these famous people when they were children. And we see some of the struggles that they endured and then, and then kids today can go, you know, I guess what I'm dealing with isn't quite so bad. I still have both my legs, you know, or I, I still, um, you know, can do some of the things that these people have, have uh, been inflicted with. And so I think biographies are just a fantastic uh, source of inspiration. So do I. I'm sitting next to my biography section right here. And um, I want to share some, um, a series that um, I think, Sonia, you were maybe alluding to. So the Trailblazers series. Yes. 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 So these books are from Scotland and um, they're all different Christian biographies. So I have Jonathan Edwards, William Wilberforce, etc. So uh, the Trailblazers series from Scotland, they're published by Christian Focus Publications. And then they also have the Torchbearers series, which is also from Christian Focus. And um, so they have Polycarp, William Tyndale, Jim Elliott, uh, et cetera. So I am such a lover of biographies. I'm so glad you said that. Right now I'm reading um, one on Lilius Trotter that was actually written by Patricia St. John or Patricia Sinjin is really how you pronounce the name. But she wrote a book on this um, very wealthy British uh, young lady who was on the grand tour with her mother and they met John Ruskin, her mother kind of schmoozed John Ruskin into investing in her. And he just really thought she was the gift. And so he was gonna groom her to be the most famous woman artist in the world. And the Lord called her to be a missionary to the Muslim people. And he about had a stroke. <laughs> he, was, he was not a happy camper. And he was manipulating her every way you can manipulate someone, you know. And, she just was loving and kind, but she's like, ah, uh, no, I am, you know, and so she continued doing art, but she did it as a missionary living in the most primitive, horrific conditions. And um, she's, you know, she's a rock star. So being able to read biographies, it, it is like going to the chiropractor and getting adjusted, yeah. you know, it, yeah. it just changes your, man, I feel so sorry for myself and this and that, <laughs> right? Then you read a missionary biography, you're like, what am I thinking? <laughs> you know, are you joking? I'm living the dream. You that's know, right. it, it takes some adjusting to get, yeah. So that's so good. What what um, books as a family have really stood out? Any any that come to your mind that you've read out loud? 
Well, I just think there's so many. It's really hard to put your finger on any specific one. I mean, I can go, you know, know certain ones that touch certain kids. Like our, um, in fact, I think I, I believe I got this biography at um, one of your conferences. But my ten-year-old son, I read it last year. Um, it was John Newton, the Angry Sailor. Yes, and yes. he just adored yeah. that book. Mm -hmm. um, and he, you know, I, that was one of the books we pulled out, you know, should we, should we take this with us? We read it, you know, what do you think? And, oh, I like, are that, you know, kidding? Yeah, yeah. that one away. Yes. So, you know, he just really, the change in that, seeing the change in John Newton's life from the beginning and, and everything that, um, you know, this person that you just would not think would ever turn his life around, right. um, kept running from God, running from God, running from God. Um, and then to, of course, at the end, have such a powerful change in his life. So that, um, that just really resonated with him. Um, but I mean, I think just for chapter books, you know, some of the ones my girls loved, we all loved reading together. Um, Charlotte's Web, which I also know Bruce reads that in his classroom with his kids, just the power of friendship in that book. Um, and there, you know, Heidi, of course, the original Heidi, oh, read yes. the, not an abridged version and it has all that wonderful um spiritual, spiritual leadership that happens in their mentorship mm. and um it's sad that that gets edited out of so many things because it's such a beautiful book um and i there's just so many little women and you know anna green gables and you know my my older girls we just loved the hours we spent reading you know some of those books so yes. just for literature not the not the biographies or the history so right pleasure books and yeah. bruce did you read out loud after you came home from a hard absolutely day? oh you mean to my own kids yes absolutely um one of the one of our favorite memories is uh, going to the library, which seems you know crazy that we had so many books, but we always wanted to go to the library because that was that was a daddy and 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 uh, children uh, you know adventure that we would do, and we have great memories of going, and I loved it because I was always discovering hidden gems that I didn't know about, and so we would read together at bedtime. And uh, those were very, very special uh, memories that we uh, that we did. And sometimes our lives would get crazy, and we chase our tails, and we, you know, need to reestablish. Okay, we got to get back to uh, that time because life has a way sometimes of, of throwing us off course. And um, you know, the we even even in the midst of of all this, the move and all this, we're still going to the library. Um, you know, we still are finding time, which doesn't seem to make any sense when we're trying to <laughs> pack up. Our kids are still going to the library because yep. you know that's where the treasures are. <laughs> and we found out that the island we're going to has a has a, a really nice library. So. Uh, that's not the oh, least. It does. That's, a, yes. that's always yeah. the thing that worries me. Is, <laughs> you know, tell me about the library. You know, so my first question is, where are you going to go to church? And my second question is, and what's the library like? That's yes. Right. <laughs> we can find these paradise places, but those two issues are yeah. not always good options. So, yeah. Absolutely. Wow. I, I'm just so thrilled to know you and how can I ever speak in California and you not be there? 
<laughs> I know. Well, you know, what are we going to do? The great, they will come down to visit every time you come out. <laughs> here's the great thing: homeschooling is having a resurgence now with the crisis that uh, is is afflicting the world. It's really affecting schools, and people that homeschooling was never on their radar before are all of a sudden looking at alternative ways to educate their kids. Mm -hmm. So I believe that um, in these next few years, there are going to be many people seeking. Uh, clarity and, and wisdom and guidance because they are simply not happy with what's happening in the school system. Yes. And uh, I, I think that there's a, there's a revolution or not a revolution, but a, a research, an insurgence of, of new people uh, looking for this truth that they just didn't know existed. And they, it was forced, they were forced into it. And I think they're going to be delighted with what they find out and it's going to revolutionize their families. Yes, mm -hmm. and and that we don't do school at home because Absolutely a lot of these families coming out of the school system are picturing doing school at home. That's right, and and the sooner they let go of that, the better. That's that's the worst of both worlds. Don't do that. Yeah. So, how would you compare and contrast school at home versus the methods that you've used? Well, I think a lot of people think of schooling as what their experience was: sitting at a desk, listening to a teacher drone on for hours. And that's not how kids learn. You know, kids learn by doing and by being actively involved and by not sitting at a desk, but sitting on the couch with, with books and reading and, and making things, going to the backyard and building things. And especially boys, I've noticed that uh, little girls, of course, love to sit at desks and practice their handwriting and little boys would rather, you know, be outside uh, digging holes and, and, and making tree houses. <laughs> and the more that we can incorporate those kinds of active learning uh, experiences, uh, the better. That's, yeah. that's truly uh, the, the best way to learn. So if you realize that homeschooling opens you up to a lot of creative creativity, a lot of freedoms, um, not just with curriculum, but scheduling, you know, you don't need to spend the amount of hours that we spend in school wasting time, you can be much more efficient. And if your child has a, has a gift for music or, um, or art or sports or something else, then you have time to pursue those things and work. My goodness, work, you know, if you're not, if you're not making your kids do hard manual labor, you're abusing them. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, there's, there's lots of work opportunities and all of that opens up when you, um, when you homeschool. And uh, I think that that is, the beauty that people don't realize they they think it's mostly about education and then you realize that this is just a new way of living and it's it's far oh. superior anything they did before well i could talk to you for hours but you've said it so well and i'm just so appreciate both of you and your influence in the homeschool community and in your community in general really um leading people to the springs of water and what what they can do with their children instead of settling for second best. Yeah, you really, you cast a vision and it makes people want to get in the boat. <laughs> I'm so grateful. So Bruce, would you mind closing us in prayer? Of course. Thank you. Father in heaven, we are so delighted to be able to share our experiences with people who are listening perhaps for the first time. They might think that uh, homeschooling is a crazy thing, but they might be forced into it based on what they're experiencing in their own school systems, and they are looking for answers, and we hope that we were able to provide not just clarity, but also encouragement. We want to encourage them to take this, this step and to know that 
good things lay ahead and they just need to have the faith and they need to continue to learn and, and be willing to um, take on things that might seem unusual at, the, at first, but they will quickly realize that it is all in your plan and that their families can be transformed by this way of living. We thank Carol for all of her wisdom and guidance through the years. And we are just so blessed that we have an opportunity to, to still do homeschooling, that it's still legal in our country. Uh, just this week, it was outlawed in France and we know it's outlawed in Germany and it's, it's uh, so difficult to do in many places and what a blessing it is to still have those liberties. We're grateful for that. So thank you for our children and our families, all the blessings that we never wanna take for granted and we just hope that we can live in a way that's honoring to you and an encouragement to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Bruce and Sonia. And thank you to our listeners for joining us this week on the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating and a review on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help too. Visit my website, caroljoycive.com. Dot com to subscribe to our weekly email and receive exclusive discounts in my online store where seminars and interviews are available. Be sure to tune in next week for my next episode where I help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Blessings. <laughs>